Welcome to Climbing the Pocket Network's In the Huddle, where your favorite Climbing the Pocket personalities get together and talk all things Minnesota Vikings. What up, y'all? We are back. It is myself, a blank space in the middle, <laughs> my man Miles, David. Let's get this thing going, viewers. Thanks for being here. We are back for another week of In the Huddle. Flip is out. Dave is in. Flip might be here later. But before we get going, Miles, my man, how you doing? How you been? How are things? Good. Busy. You know, grinding through that Dakota Dozier tape. You know, gotta, I got to get a good beat on him. I got to get an understanding of, of how good this guy's going to be for the Vikings. I mean, you know, uh, Tyler been saying guards don't matter. And uh, the Vikings agree. The Vikings agree. <laughs> Dave. <laughs> Dave, we pulled you from the truck. We got you back on camera two nights in a row. Oh, I How know you doing, man? I'm doing okay. Uh, not real thrilled with this depth signing today of Dakota Dozier. But uh, as I told a good friend, maybe it's so far down the depth chart, He, we don't need him. All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's talk about it because... Thought we were going to talk defensive backs, but obviously, you know, the Vikings have, have kind of switched things up on us, brought back public enemy number one. But before <laughs> that, you know, there was another signing. So before we go and just dump all over Dakota Dozier, uh, David, what are your thoughts? I mean, we have some other guards that are on the roster. We just signed somebody. People seem to be excited about him. Talk to me like. Is Dakota Dozier so far down the depth chart, or like is he still in conversation to start? Where are we at? Oh, I don't think he'll start unless he had some miraculous sort of off-season training that suddenly improved oh, you're, himself. You're, you're underestimating this team, Dave. Um, <laughs> they did trade their comp- compensatory six-round choice, draft choice, the last one they had, for Mason Cole who played center for the Cardinals. Now, back in 2019, Mason Cole's a young kid. He's only been in the league three years. This will be his fourth. Back in 2019, he did play some guard, left guard for four games and uh, right guard for a couple per PFF. Is he any good, David? That's really some the question. Those, some of those game grades were decent and others were trash. He is better He, if you take... The centers and the guards, and you lump them all together, he is better than D- Dakota Dozier. So there's that's not a hard bar to cross. I think Burner, I could be yeah. better than Dakota Dozier, but he is better. All right, so with the recent additions, Miles, where are you at? How are you thinking about this? Because we spent, we endured uh, an, an entire season last year with, uh, a certain segment of the Vikings fan base saying that we were a guard away from contention, whereas the, another side of the fan base, um, maybe we'll say like the analytically inclined side of the fan base, like got, guards don't matter. They're not that important. Um, the Vikings really don't seem to give a shit about guards, like at all. Like there's not something they prioritize. It is not a position the Vikings deem to be important. But obviously <laughs> we need to have very like basic level guard play. And I believe you, Mary, I believe you can get in there and and do work. I believe you on that. So where are we at now? And what are your thoughts? Because obviously, you know, we are Vikings fans. So the sky is falling today because the Vikings brought back public enemy. Number one, 
But what are your thoughts on like what the Vikings might be thinking about the guard, the interior line, just that whole situation at this point in the offseason, given the limited resources we have with the draft coming up? Like, what are your thoughts? Like, do you think the starting guards are on the roster now? Do you think Ezra Cleveland's getting kicked out? Like, what's going on with it, Miles? What are your thoughts based on these moves? I mean, it's really hard to tell. So one thing we've heard, you know, we've had, you know, our, our friend in the show, Doogie, uh, Darren Doogie Wolfson has, has come out. Uh, we've even heard people like Judd and Score North talk about um, the Vikings having interest in some offensive tackles. Eric Fisher's a name. Uh, I think Doogie name dropped Russell Okung today. He did. Um, as another one that they have some interest in. Um, obviously, at the right price. Uh, the Vikings are at, at a point right now, they're pretty much willing to sign most players that are available for like the minimum. Like so, so I think that's kind of where we fall into the Dakota Dozier situation is. The Vikings, from my understanding, have had offers out to a lot of different offensive linemen at, like, the veteran minimum and said, anybody willing to pluck and, and say yes, come on over. <laughs> like, obviously, this isn't, like, everyone, but they have a list. Dakota Dozier does fall on that list because of familiarity, and we talk – and that the Vikings love uh, – and people seem to love the uh, continuity aspect of that. So that part makes sense. The Mason Cole trade – it really just feels like they were looking for uh, a guard center combo mix and someone that could potentially fill that Brett Jones, Nick Easton, you know, that type of role, someone that can play and jump into center if you need them to, but they might give you some of that flexibility at guard. So I like that move. It's, it's a, it's a solid move because it sounds like they probably couldn't get Brett Jones back. Nick Easton told them no. So they just went out and got, got somebody that they think could fit what they're trying to do. Um, so I'm fine with that move. I think he's a, he's a good competition, good guy that um, he'll probably compete to start. But let's – I'm waiting to see them make – I'm waiting for something. I f- it feels like there's something coming. I've been hinting and talking about an Orlando Brown trade. That doesn't fix the guard position. But what that at least does, what it would do is shore up your left tackle and both tackle positions. I'm not going to say it's shored up, but they're not moving uh, Garrett Bradbury anytime soon. So you have those three in place, and then Ezra Cleveland fits in somewhere in the middle. Uh, so that leaves you one real – that would leave you one major hole at guard. Maybe Mason Cole could be that guy. That's fine. I think, you know, if Mason Cole has a baseline level – I love w- – our our new standard is now Dakota Dozier level. So it's – are they better than Dakota Dozier? And you if they are – Drew Samia was worse. Drew Samia was worse. It can be worse than Dakota Dozier. And I, that's what we – I remember saying that. Um, but at the same time, we what we're asking for from that left guard position – is to not be what Dakota Dozier was. So don't be the worst left guard in football. Just be like the not worst guard in left guard in football, and we'll probably be okay. And we've seen the Vikings be successful with the not worst left guard in football at Pat Elfline. We saw it with uh, – who was your left guard in 20, uh, 2017? Uh, was that – Is that our man – is that our man Josh? No, no, that was Nick Easton. That was Nick Easton. So like like Nick Easton was solid, but he wasn't he wasn't great either. Um, I think if you can get that level of play from your left guard, Pat Elfline, I think that's kind of where I see Mason Cole is like kind of like a Pat Elfline type of type of player. He's solid. He's not the worst. He's not the best. Kind of fits in between. Um, so I'm cool with that. Um, but they still have like seven seven and a half million dollars to play with. So it just makes me feel like something's coming. Some some sort of trade. Some sort of signing. Uh, to try to shore up that offensive line because where they're at right now. So what well, we've talked at, at, at length about the defense, 
I expect this defense to be significantly improved. I'm all good with with going after DBs. We've talked about go get as many cornerbacks and DBs as you can because that's such an those are such important positions, especially corner. So they get Pat Pete, they get uh, Mackenzie Alexander, uh, and then they get Xavier Woods to to replace Anthony Harris. And that actually might be a slight of an upgrade, or at least not as much of a downgrade from Anthony Harris as people think, based off what he's going to be asked to do playing next to Harrison, and he's dirt cheap. Um, so I'm really happy with that with that situation there. But what they haven't done, we heard Mike Zimmer, we've heard the um, Rick Spielman talk about the offense and how happy they were with the offense and how they're happy and content, quote-unquote, with what the offense and where it is. So they went on and fixed the defense, but the offense has gotten worse. We can't sit here and say the offense is as good or even better than um, than it was in 2020. And that's what worries me is regression is a possibility. And to expect some random rookie to be better than Riley Reef was in 2020 or at least play at that level, is it's not fair to that rookie. Like, not many people are going to get it. You're not going to get a Tristan Wirfs type of level of play from your from a tackle from a lot of rookie tackles. That's a that's a rare situation. So to expect to the Vikings to potentially with that 14th pick or a trade back, you know, get a rookie left tackle to play as good as uh, Riley Reef did last year. That's just not fair to that rookie. Um, and then what do they do at at guard? We still <laughs> continue to talk about guard, but also the weapons. Like the weapons aren't better either. They brought back Chad Beebe. That's still their like third wide receiver. So it's all this hope that you can find someone somewhere in the draft that'll help you. But going into the draft with that kind of mentality really feels like you're putting yourself into a really bad hole. Of, you're repeating last year. I mean, you're repeating last year, just the flip you're, side. Yeah. So, last so David miles, miles threw a lot of stuff out there when he was talking about the line. And this is something that I, I'm, I'm glad we have you in front of the camera now, because I wanted to ask you for a little while because Ezra Cleveland, that's your guy. Yes. And Miles threw a lot of scenarios out there for, you know, potential left tackle. And he didn't really include Ezra in that list of possibilities. It was really looking outside the organization. So, David, I guess I want you to tell me from your perspective of the options that you've seen floated around. What are your favorite options for the the left tackle spot? So there's, you know, Eric Fisher coming off injury. Not sure when he's going to be ready to go again. You have Orlando Brown. Many people very excited about him. Eric's not here, but as we discussed in the group chat, um, there's likely a bit more uncertainty with a player like an Orlando Brown, um, given the offense that he played in and how different it's going to be coming to the Vikings offense without the threat of a Lamar Jackson running and him just needing to like pass protect um, in a different way than he has before. So you're getting less certainty but potentially in an Orlando Brown than maybe Vikings fans are, are thinking just because of that change in the offense. Um, and then you got Ezra Cleveland, who's already on the roster. Many saw him as a the left tackle of the future when he was drafted. I know you were one of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, of the options that are available, what's your favorite? What do you? What would you see? Are you still Team Ezra, or do you think that one of these vets would put us in a better spot? Well, as Doogie said yesterday or today, the uh, Orlando Brown talk what up, is Eric? still live. And uh, I would love Orlando Brown. That gives you two young bookend tackles. I think Ezra's young enough. He's athletic enough to adapt and still be good. And we'd have two bookend tackles. Hopefully you give them both extensions at, as we learned today, probably 18 mil a year, just, uh, a couple of years down that. the road. And, and that... 
problem is solved. Then you tell Ezra, yeah, sucks to be you, but you got to develop as a guard. Uh, I like Ezra. I think Ezra could do the job. But if we move Ezra over to that left side, which I think he'll be fine, we then need two guards. Um, and we've only picked up one that's better than Dakota Dozier. I, and just barely. So, I would like to see an Orlando Brown trade. That's my favorite number one choice. Uh, the other tackle you mentioned, that's uh, the old guy from Kansas City. That's a possibility. Uh, Okun, they talked He's about. He's not that old. He's like 30. Well, which is not that old for linemen. Linemen generally play right. to their mid-30s. Um, but I'd like to, <laughs> I like Orlando Brown for the long-term build aspect of it versus yeah the other um but we'll see they're hey mike zimmer has adapted and spent money and gone to fix the defense like it's nobody's business there's no energy like that on the offensive side and we need it because i agree with you jason i don't think we we stayed the same i think we're going to regress if this is the situation we roll in the camp with so. All right, well, let, let's let's talk about that because uh, I mean, there's a bit of an irony in that that Mike Zimmer builds his defense to start to stop the pass, mm-hmm. yet our offense is is not built in that way. So Mike Zimmer knows the pass is the most dangerous part of an offense, yet our offense, for whatever reason, is not built to do that very same thing. But Miles, like, obviously, we got to talk about it because you know the Vikings have stocked up, and you know, frankly, they've made some smart moves in terms of yeah. what they've done to yeah. address things on the defense. So, you know, given where we were a couple weeks ago and kind of how we were feeling about the offseason, you know, the only really big moves were, uh, you know, a nose tackle, you know, people maybe feeling like we jumped a gun or paid a little bit too much for an older corner, not still in his prime. Um, with the value signings the Vikings have made in the defensive backfield, like how are you feeling about things now? Like even when you look at Pro Football Focus's uh, draft guide that just came out, I mean, they have us looking pretty strong when you start looking across that defense. Like, how good do you expect things to get for us, you know, especially when you consider how bad they were last season? Well, I mean, we, people you always see people talk about – I'm going to start with the edge rusher. So the Vikings were targeting an edge rusher to start free agency. That was the – then they, they kind of ended up with Dalvin Tomlinson instead. And I think, you know, it's a, it's a nice consolation prize in that what Dalvin Tomlinson can do – is help plug up the middle or rush through the middle. He's not an elite pass rusher from the interior, but he's also no slouch either. So I he's like that souped up Shamar Stefan. He's he's gonna do what we're what I think Mike Zimmer and Andre Patterson were hoping Shamar Stefan could do, but with a more of like a athletic souped up ability. So what he does is help pressure the quarterback from the interior. And you know, Zim's creative with his his blitz pack position things. Um, so what he can do with those to the front seven, he can get more creative with his front seven. And even a Harrison Smith in that scenario, too, he can get creative with all those guys because he can leave his cornerbacks and his safeties and his, his DBs more on an island or more, more in situations where you trust them to cover. And so when you can trust coverage, you can send and do a little bit more creatively up front to, to go get the quarterback or, or make the quarterback uncomfortable. So what I love, that's what I love about it. And I, I think they they took that opposite approach last offseason 
where they didn't think that they needed to worry about cornerback as much, which I'm sure Mike Zimmer it was killing him, I, I would assume. But um, I love the approach now. The, my, this has always been my issue with the Vikings is they're really good at course correcting themselves after they've had a down year. I just want to see the consistency from it. But I expect that the DB room to be significantly better. And I, what I love is you have penciled in starters of Pat Pete, uh, Cameron Dancer on the outside. I, in my opinion, it's Jeff Gladney's job to lose. He's the first-round pick. He's the guy you invested in. He's the guy that you put in the slot uh, coming up. You know, he had a knee surgery last last spring. No no OTAs, none of those things. Um, and he played he through that knee in. injury. And he wasn't that Two great. Positions. Yeah. He, yeah, and then he had to cross-train outside and inside in this, in this defense, which is really hard to do. So I think if he focuses on the nickel position, you're going to see significant play from Gladney. Uh, and like I said, he's that investment. So just come in and say that uh, McKenzie's the the day one starter. I just don't agree with that because he's getting a vet minimum deal, and I think they're just going to let him play around. And maybe they do more dime packages and things. But um, McKenzie's more of that like your number four cornerback. And then what happens with Mike Hughes is the is a big question. There is, you know, I'm a huge Mike Hughes guy, but I'll, obviously the injuries have been a major problem. The ACL and then the two neck injuries. You have no idea what what's going to happen with him. So um, what I said going into the offseason was make sure you plan as if he's not going to be around. And they've done that. And so that makes Mike Hughes your cornerback five or six, depending on you know if he's healthy. That's a good thing because if he's healthy and he can contribute for you, that just makes your DB group even better. So um, I like that approach, what, they, what they've done there. And then you added, a, like I talked about earlier, Xavier Woods. Uh, he was good in 2018 and 2019 in Dallas playing more of that high safety um, look, letting Har- and especially in this defense when you can let Harrison Smith play near the line of scrimmage. Xavier Woods is pretty good over the top uh, and can move around a little bit there. You know, hopefully they build that chemistry. And um, we've seen a lot of safeties play well opposite Harrison Smith. Anderson Dejo, Robert Blanton, Jamarcus Sanford. Uh, Anthony Harris built himself up to be obviously the best out of that bunch. But um, so we, we've seen a lot of that. And um, Xavier Woods is still 25 years old, so he's a guy – that, you know, I, I'm excited to kind of see grow. And if, if he can become your long-term safety, that's, you know, it's a, it's a buy low risk um, that I'm excited to see. Ah, you're on mute. Can't hear you. Oh, can't hear you, Jason. Kyle, we started this conversation with that whole purpose of. Yeah. Zim- me. I'm on mute into the void, <laughs> but I had to cut miles off because uh, the comments I'm over here reading what folks have to say, and the comments have kind of piped up with, you know, if Flip was here, something that he said, you know, uh, in, in the group chat, and then many others have said that, like, they don't want to hear any more about the DB room. They don't want to hear right, about right. how many more toys Mike Zimmer has. Mike Zimmer is supposed to be this elite defensive coach, but the defense it. only seems to be good when we give him all the things that all he needs. And so... I'm going to bring it back just because I do want to, you know, acknowledge that, you know, Anthony asked a question and then, you know, I think it was Dave, different Dave, came in and basically was like, you know, I ain't having it. I don't want to hear it. Uh, so, Miles, another option, Dave, feel free to chime in because we're going to be talking offensive line again. Uh, yep. Another option that we didn't talk about is a trade up. It was something that was thrown around. Uh, I think it was Peter King a couple weeks back talking about his training up to take a tackle. Uh how are we feeling about that as another possibility for the Vikings in fixing the offensive line? Are we good with that? Does that make sense? Miles, you go first. David, you bring us home. 
So what my, my whole thing is all about I'm, I'm not team trade up unless it's for like a quarterback or you're like later in the draft and it doesn't cost as much to move up. I think those are fine, like late first, second round type of moves. That's that's not an issue for me. The Vikings are at 14, so if they're trying to get – let's say they're trying to get ahead of the Chargers at, at 13 and go up to 12 and swap with the – who has it now? The the Eagles have that pick now. God, mm-hmm. uh, it's moved so, so so much. So let's say they just want to move ahead of the Chargers to get their, their left tackle, and it takes like a fourth, fifth-round pick. I'd probably be okay with that just because, you know, at least they're targeting someone. Um, but overall, on team trade back, I'd prefer to, you know, let the board fall to you. Let's say there's multiple offensive linemen available. I'd prefer to trade back if, if there's an opportunity there, recoup another pick, and still get a guy that you like with one of the, you know, with the, with the trade back. Um, that's my preference um, because the Vikings we've talked about, they don't have a second-round pick. They can move up if they want to get another second-round pick, but it's, it's still going to cost a lot of money to move to move up from that 78 pick to get into the second round anyway. So my thing is why not try to recoup that second round pick by trading back or even get a third round pick, whatever it is. Um, but that's why I'm a big proponent on the Orlando Bra- Orlando Brown trade. If it were to come to fruition, hypothetical swap 27 for 14, and then we get Orlando Brown to move back to 27, what that does – Maybe you throw in a fourth or uh, one of your thirds, fine. I'm, I'd actually be fine with that at the end of the day because what you do is you get your left tackle, a young young left tackle, and you also get basically that second-round pick back in, in what turns out to be your, um, a late first. And that's that's you're getting a two-for-one in that situation. So for me, you then you can use that 27th pick on a, maybe an, a wide receiver, an, an edge rusher, something like that, that help, that'll add another value pick for you rather than trade, trading up to get – that offensive tackle. So for me, I'd prefer that trade back scenario. So Dave, what do you make of the argument that I've, I've seen that uh, teams should just not trade uh, with the Patriots or the Ravens, especially when it comes to <laughs> a position like offensive line where they are historically very good at evaluating talent at those positions. They do a very good job. They understand what players can and can't do. And they understand very well how to maximize players within the context of their scheme and so often what happens is that players will play in those schemes. PFF will grade them very well. They'll go someplace else, and there's typically some regression. And then it always seems like maybe two years later they end up back in either Baltimore or they end up back in New England starting all over again. Um, so, like, what are your thoughts on that as, as we think of the Orlando Brown? Because that seems to be the way that most people are thinking about it. Like, or, Orlando Brown's where we want to go. He's a name we know. He's a proven talent gets us like kind of our second round pick. So like on paper, this seems like all good things. Is there anything about this that makes you at all nervous when you're considering taking a player from a team that seems to know what they're doing? Like, why would they let him go? Uh, Because he's demanding to play left tackle. He wants left tackle money and it's, it's a cost deal. Left tackles get paid more. He wants to play left tackle. They've already got a good left tackle. He's already demonstrated he can play left tackle at a high level, and they don't want to keep two good left tackles on the on the roster. It's it's too expensive, so that's where that possibility of a trade comes in. Now, Ravens are also good at trading just about anybody, including defensive ends, like last year. Um, the Vikings are good at it when it comes to defensive backs, i.e., Alexander left. 
didn't play well. He's back. Hopefully he plays well in reserve as quarterback four or five or whatever. Um, now, they talked about trading up. Generally, I agree with Miles. You don't trade up unless it's for your next franchise quarterback, period. Uh-oh. Here he um, goes. There's one other exception <laughs> that you may, oh, and that boy. is for a franchise. Julio Jones? Uh, altering left tackle. And there's only there's only one blue chip left tackle in this whole draft. Today, so why do we why do we expect him to drop far enough? He's not going for, to. He would right. have to drop to like nine or ten before we even had a chance to move up, and he's not right. going to drop that far. There's no way. If, if GMs would be stupid, stupid. I'll repeat that again. Stupid to let him drop that far. I mean, you you don't it. find tackles of that quality. In every draft, it's maybe once every ten years or twenty years. You don't do it, so he's never going to get there. So it's not worth even entertaining. And the cost to trade up that much would probably cost a couple addition, additional future first rounders, or a trade of somebody big. And I don't think the Vikings are going to do that. They've been playing it cheap all this off season. You know, vet minimum deals, offer on the table, and the. And a lot of these players would be Lawson's or what was the other one? Wilkerson or something like that. The other edge they wanted. It just it's not enough money. You're not paying us what we're worth. So no, that, and they've lost. That's what makes me wonder. That's what makes me wonder, Dave. They they've got seven and a half million right now, and they still have the seven point nine. Three triple. Yes, Ruby. we do. <laughs> Unfortunately, what, what happened? Uh, just a comment, Dave. Just put up on screen. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, well, so that's why I'm I'm still I'm still expecting something to happen. I'm not saying it's going to be like this world altering move that they make, but I think uh, Nick talked about it. They essentially have like 14 million dollars when you include the seven seven point nine eight million from Rudy that's going to hit in uh, in June. And I think we saw over the cap published like what they expect as of right now, what they expect the draft classes to cost. I think the Vikings currently were at like three and a half uh, to to sign their draft picks this year. So you take three and a half away. Vikings are looking at like 11 or so million to, in totality, not that they can spend it all right now. So, But we also know they could free up money if they had to. And they like, could free up money with a Harrison Smith extension. They could do uh, a Daniel Hunter uh, Daniel, extension. You know, Hunter, like, yeah, so there's that's why I'm still – Something is some, I think they're trying to do something. It's just not hasn't been able to hit yet. That's what it feels like because this team, especially when when you got a Mike Zimmer and a Rick Spielman who are in the hot seat. Let's be frank. Those, those they have to win this year, or at least not win. When I say win, they have to make the playoffs. playoffs. That's the Wilfs' goal is to get to the playoffs, and that nine and eight, nine and eight, ten and seven. That's um, weird number. Know, so it's weird, but um, so that's why. I, with them and their jobs on the line, they're going to push the cap as much as they have to to make sure that they have as much talent on this roster as they can get. And they've done a good job on the defensive side. But to Mary's point, Mike Zimmer, you're a head coach. You're not a defensive coordinator anymore. So you got you got to play both sides. we got to help that offense. And it can't just be in the draft. You have to go out and get, get somebody that can be an impact for your offense through a trade, free agency, something. Because you can't just sit back and expect – your offense to still hum and do what it did in 2020, 2019 with an inexperienced offensive coordinator and question marks from rookies that you don't know what to, what to expect. They, 
Justin Jefferson fell in your lap. That doesn't happen every year. So it, it's hard to expect that type of impact from rookies. It's not fair so to them either. How y'all gonna feel when when they spend all that money on on Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap? Oh, you if you can get Geno, yeah, he's gone. But if they can get Geno cheap, I don't have an issue with that. He'd be on that pass rushing down where he came in, and I suspect uh, Tomlinson would move over and Pierce would yep. come out. Um, and if they wanted to relieve those, they'd put in some of the other edge rushers up the middle. I don't have an issue with that because I think they can get Geno cheap. But it's they've got to pay attention to fixing that offensive line or have a plan. And right now, it sure as heck doesn't look like they have one, nor does it look like they care a lot. And that's what is disheartening. And add another weapon. If Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen get hurt for any period of time, you go from a, one of the better duos in the league to having one of the worst overall wide receiver groups in the league with one receiver, and then you just double or triple team that guy and the offense. And I, everybody talks about Irv Smith, and I'm excited about Irv Smith to get an opportunity. We haven't seen them throw to tight ends that much, so until we see until we see them do it otherwise, it's hard to expect them to throw to the tight end. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's quite possible. You are not wrong. Is hey, this man, Rick Spielman? <laughs> they do and need a like, new edge. Just like, Brad, just like Garrett Bradbury. We didn't want to move back from 18, even though we could have got two other better offensive linemen than Garrett Bradbury. Yeah, I, it's, right. No, but they do need an edge. An edge unless you think Quantum or Weatherly is going to step up and suddenly get See, but that's where we're, this year. You're going to Dave, need that's where, that's where we talk about. Zim can't have everything. So uh, if, if, he, you, if he can't have everything, edge is more important than linebacker. I also expect a linebacker to come off the board fourth round. Um, I don't care about that. They do it every year. Oh, I know yeah. they do. Well, I mean, fourth or fifth round. I'll bet he's, he's going to be really Michael fast Parkins, but and too small. Yep. But that. But that's my thing. Is if. If the one if the Vikings have put themselves in a situation where if the one position they have to go quote unquote lesser at is D end opposite Hunter, you gotta deal with it, Zim. Like you have to. You guys have to coach around that stuff because you got all your DBs, you got your linebacker and Anthony Barr back, because they I mean that situation, you know, they got him to take a pay cut and restructure and do all that stuff. You know, Hunter's hope, you know, expected to be back. You got Dalvin Tomlinson. Like, dude, you can't have everything so you gotta like he made his choices and so now Stephen Weatherly and DJ Wanham and whatever else they're gonna add at least one more edge rusher that's what you're gonna deal with like and it it can't be a first round pick unless you find a way to go get a left tackle and another guard before the draft before the draft. like that's the only way you can make that work otherwise you gotta kick rocks in I agree with you all right so Miles you mentioned wide receiver again Always. I mean, the other dreams have died. Always. The other dreams have died. So who uh, who's out there at this point? So like pretty much every other name that you've said this offseason, you know, like the final nail in the coffin was yeah. your man Blythe signed and then Dakota Dozier re-signed just like boom, yeah. boom on the timeline to rub it right in all of our faces. Yeah. Uh, who's left? Who should like who's out there? Like we're talking about wanting them to like plug holes 
in the offense before the draft. We were talking about them bringing in, you know, an established, just average type veteran player to come in on the offense. Like, who's left? I know we love Forrest Lamp because, yeah. you know, people loved him pre-draft and now he's available again. That should tell us something, everyone. But we all loved him pre-draft and so he's back. Forrest Lamp is a name. Who else? What else? Who's out there that we should be excited about? At this excited point? is a strong. Excited is a strong word, but not I, disappointed I, I by. It. If they were to sign okay. it, how about that? <laughs> so, obviously, obviously, Forrest Lamp's won just because the one thing Forrest Lamp was good at in 2019 was pass pro. I wouldn't say great at it, but that was his strength. The his athleticism should make up for his lack of run game and. Uh, with the Chargers last year, in my opinion, I think he'd be fine in this system. I think he fits the system with how athletic he is. Um, and having a better pass pro left guard isn't a bad thing. That should help guys like Garrett Bradbury. We don't have to go – I'm not going down that road again. Um, so, Lamp, I think Trey Turner is another another like low risk. I won't call it high reward, but low risk. Maybe you get him back to a, a closer to 2019, 2018 level of Trey Turner than, than what we saw in 2020 where he was injured. Um he was a right guard only, though, so that's the hard part is some of these guys are going to have to probably, at the point the Vikings are at where they're where they're going to bring any of these guys in, they're going to have to be flexible with where they where their positions are in the interior offensive line. So I uh, appreciate that, Don. Um, so tell yeah. your friends, Don. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell your friends. Um, but so, like, those would be the first couple names. Um, what, for me, at, at offensive line would be Trey Turner, um, Forrest Lamp. Those are probably the top two guys left. Um, Austin Ryder, the Kansas City Chiefs center, he was really good. He's still available. Now, he was a, he's only basically played center, but the Vikings are so desperate that maybe he can play guard. <laughs> I mean, he was really good. I expect, I expect him to go to, like, the Falcons or, uh, or the Rams or something, but either way, um, he's really good. He's better than your current center by a long shot. Um, that'd, be a, that'd be, like, a, a really weird – Pat Elfline type of move, but I mean, the Vikings are kind of in this weird all-in type of scenario. Um, so that's offensive line. Tackle, we talked about Russell Okung. Eric Fisher's injury situation makes it really hard to give him any type of guaranteed money now because you can't really see how where he's going to pan out in the next four or five months. Um, and then uh, I guess Mitchell Schwartz, it sounds like he's waiting until the summer to sign somewhere, so kind of hard to figure that one out. Uh then wide receiver, like if the Vikings wanted to go get a cheap vet wide receiver, uh, guys like Kenny Stills are out there still. Um, he He's a guy that provides impact. He's good. Um, I think you could take a flyer on a Marquise Goodwin. He's really fast. Um, Demir Bird for the uh, – he played played for the Pats last year. I know, was, I know their pass catchers are really bad, but he's a burner, and he's a guy that you could ask just to be a deep threat for you, kind of fill that um, – uh, who's that guy that we had in 2018? Uh, Robinson. Uh, Kirk's homie. Yeah, Kirk's homie. Uh, so, like, you, he could kind of fill that role, which, fine. I mean, the Vikings could use a, another deep threat. So, like, and these guys are come would come cheap. So, you know, just take maybe maybe just taking a, a vet fly vet men fly on on a guy that can move a little bit. D.D. Westbrook, uh, he was pretty highly regarded coming out of um, Oklahoma, played for Jacksonville. He's actually pretty good his first few years in the season. Um, holy shit, he was signed for the vet men. Blythe was signed for the vet men. Crazy. Um, But I talked about that. I tweeted about that Blythe situation. He 
either come to the Vikings and not know what you're going to play, whether it's guard, center, you know, left guard, right guard, um, or go to the Chiefs, the best team in the league, or arguably the best team in the league, and play center. I mean, I don't blame him for picking that one. If the money's the same, you go to the one that has a chance to win Super Bowls. Yeah, well, a chance to win. He might, he might also want to play center over playing guard. So that could be that choice too. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, yeah, so if you get a right guard only, expect Cleveland to move to the left side. Right, which, I mean, maybe that's more comfortable for him. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Hey, talk to me about Ole Udo, guys, because, like, he's a name that, uh, you know, come up again this week. What well, folks want to know, JR pre-draft, he was a guy that JR, you know, thought had some nice traits. Uh, is he someone that maybe we're sleeping on in this guard competition? No, I think he was viewed Definitive. as the Rashad Hill replacement swing tackle type, but we brought back Rashad Hill. So I just want an offensive line coach that can develop <laughs> offensive linemen. I don't care who it is. You cheer for the wrong team, Dave. You do. We haven't had one since Mike Tice, period. I can prove that. I mean, we had a bit of bad luck in there, too, but I feel you. I feel you. Well, we talked about all the things I think we're going to be allowed to talk about today. <laughs> Offensive line. At this point, there doesn't seem to be any great solutions. But if they do sign Forrest Lamp, I feel like we'll be a little less upset about it all. It will get yeah. rid of some of the anger around Dakota Dozier, Creed Humphrey. That's that, that's Ryan's boy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, that's Ryan's guy. So just... Yep. Just by virtue of it being Ryan's guy, I'm again. I, Creed Humphrey's probably a great player, but you know, I can't, I can't, I can't co-sign that because I'm against all players from Oklahoma. Uh, just because uh, of Ryan, Richard. It's all Ryan. Thoughts on Eric Fisher? The only misgiving I have on Fisher is that he won't basically be available to later in the summer, and he's basically saying I'm going to wait. So I'd rather have things squared away before then than yep. having to rely on hoping that towards the end of the summer we pick him up. Well, and anything anything you look at his medicals right now won't tell you much. Like, there's only so much. That, he tore his Achilles in late January, so it's not like there's much you can know in early April besides the, well, surgery went well, you know, maybe he's walking, whatever. But there's only so much you can know. You need to know six months down the road what – what that injury and where he's at. Right. And so the fast heal time trained. on that is a little like over six, six months. months. And it's six, normally a 12-month recovery, if yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah. Drew. Drew? What? Dave, Dave, block Drew. <laughs> <laughs> one, one, one thing we didn't talk about was the O'Neal to left tackle possibility. Um. That's I'm sure that I know that they've been still in that situation where they that's a that's in the, one of their scenarios uh, that's possible for them. Um, I'm not sure what it would take for that to be the case. Uh, and I know we've all talked about like why would you move a guy that that's ascending and really good at his position and flop and switch his position. It's not an easy transition to make. I think O'Neill would be fine because he's a good player, but at the end of the day, it's still it's still hedging a bet on something that you don't know 100 percent about. Um, so, you know, well, it's, I have it's uncertainty a at two positions, Miles, where you can have uncertainty at four, four positions, positions across your offensive line. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Hey, now, I think O'Neal could make that switch. Sure thing. 
relatively easy. And I'm one of the few that are in the minority. He played tight end. He's ambidextrous. He played left tackle in college as well. He's used to the left side. I don't think that switch would take long. And it's just like Ezra Cleveland. If Ezra Cleveland played a year on the right side, he could bump out to the right tackle, or you could have Rashad Hill. It, it's yep. however it falls. It's you know you know pick a card type deals how it's going to be, and that's what's so frustrating because it shouldn't be that way. If we had an offensive no. line coach that knew what he was doing, there it is. Not, I don't. I don't. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Dennison <laughs> had some good offensive linemen. It's just no, we don't see it on the Vikings. No, I agree. My thing, I'm not trying. Like, I'm not saying Dennison's great or anything, but. There's only so much like he has to work with what he's given too at the same time. Now, now Dakota the, Dozier, the scheme, is it's the scheme, it's the scheme, it's and the Dakota scheme. Dozier, but it's the and scheme. It's the fact is, that we're prioritizing dudes who are lighting the ass over yes. people who can anchor and pass block. And, and that's why until that's the why team stops prioritizing run yes. blocking over pass blocking from the people that we look at in the draft. It then we will just continue to be in this situation year over year over year because it's not like they haven't invested, right? Unless they unless they randomly hit on the guy that is really good at both and he's light like that's that stuff's like a it feels like at this point when you're trying like that's why it feels like it's easier to find uh, tackles in the draft because you know what to expect a little bit more from those guys. But if you're trying to find a specific type of interior offensive lineman, the one hard thing to know is how are they going to translate with strength at the next level when they weigh 300 pounds. You don't fully know if they're going to be able to hold up against a Hakeem Hicks. You know, like you don't know that. So it's really hard to project those guys. And so it it's so, yeah. That's why, like, everybody, like, you, you'll see people talk about Orlando Brown's not athletic enough. Who gives a shit? Like, Dalvin Cook's fantastic. Dalvin Cook's going to make himself work. Like, he's going to get his yard. And his offensive line has been trash anyways. Now, if you, if you, if you pass pro, Orlando Brown can get to the second level. I don't need him to do more than that. Dalvin Cook's already going to out is going to outpace him anyways. If he can pass set and pass block and not get bull rushed, I'm cool. Dan, you are correct. Sold. Yep. Randall McDaniel was probably the best guard, and Steve Hutchinson was Hutchinson was right behind him. Yes. And but whoa, if you have whoa, big whoa. heavy, Mary, calm down, Mary. We're just trying to get to average here. No, but we're, 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 the heavy in the maybe, maybe under a new regime, domineering yeah. offensive line. What is that? What does that mean? Well, the heavy in the rear end that could do that. The, see, the problem with the offensive line on that is Dalvin Cook is so good. He doesn't need them to be great, right? He no. finds the hole. And they haven't been great in the run game. Right. It's and the scheme. It's the scheme. It's the scheme that's doing it. Because if you have a domineering offensive line where the guys are heavy and can push the more power game they're pushing defensive linemen one two three yards off the line of scrimmage so you're going to get one two three yards off the line of scrimmage and then let the running back cut and do whatever he's doing here they care more about can they move and get to the second level because they think dalvin cook will be to the second level and be able to take advantage of that block yeah. what's the second and level has, of pass of pass pro dave Explain that one to me. There is no second level of pass pummel. It either works. Well, maybe or that's doesn't. the problem. It's a go or maybe no. Maybe that's goat. the problem. And they've no goad. All right. That's... Anyways, with that, anyway. I think we've been on long enough, and I've definitely voiced my opinion on the offensive line. 
All right. Well, uh, as as per usual, gentlemen, thanks for coming on and getting angry with me about offensive line. Viewers, thanks for all the comments. Thanks for the interactions. Listeners, you should be a viewer. Listen to uh, to Don. Come in here. Join the fun. Help make the show with us in real time as we go. Flip. We're going to talk about this offline. Dave, thanks for jumping in. Uh, in Flip's stead. Flip will be back tomorrow, I think, right? Yes, Flip he on will tomorrow? be live tomorrow because yeah. Viking Hot Takes has moved to Wednesday for this week with a special guest. Eric Thompson Ooh. can't make it, but it'll be a special guest you recognize and love to hear has his own great takes and his own show. And then oh. Vikings Happy Hour will round out the week on Thursday, and then we'll start it all over again next Sunday with two old bloggers. Love it, love it, love it. Well, there it is. That's the show. Dave, play the music. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Go, everybody.